Well, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28, and I want to look at verses 18 through 19 uh, with you this morning, and we're continuing on in this series called The Shocking Statements of Jesus. What I'm going to read to you today, though, um, I'm not, as we're going to discuss, excuse me, I'm not so sure it's shocking as it is one of those ones where you're thinking, yeah, I wish maybe he wouldn't have said that, you know, one of the, kind of one of those, so um, think about that as we as we read this passage of scripture. Uh, this is after the crucifixion, after his resurrection. He comes back and he shows himself to the disciples, and he gives them what we would call what most Bibles have sublabeled, subtitled. Is that right? The Great Commission. And so, in verse eighteen, he says, "This all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them." Um, everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, he says, therefore, go and make disciples. Now, shocking? Eh, it's not really that shocking, is it? Is it? I mean, I think that, you know, the guy committed his life to this. This was his mission, uh, is, to, is to begin that process of reconciling uh, the lost and dying, this lost and dying world back to himself. Um, I'm not so sure that's shocking. I find it very like, yeah, what else would he say? You know, I, you know, now I want you to do this. I want you to go and I want you to help make disciples. And so maybe, maybe better yet, if, someone was to be, if we would be truthful, we would say, I wish you wouldn't have said that. Because now, what does that mean? And how many times have we, you know, when we talk about whatever word you want to use, wherever you want to, you know, you want to use the word engage, that's what we use for outreach, whether you want to use outreach, evangelize, witness, whatever you want to use, when we start talking about that, some of us kind of cringe up because we're like, ooh, I'm going to have to have that conversation with somebody. And what if they reject me? What if they, you know, all those, all those thoughts kind of can come to our minds. In Acts 1.8, Luke records these words of Jesus, and he says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, you guys are going to be the witnesses, my witnesses, to the ends of the earth. In Acts 20, we read about an individual by the name of Paul. We know Paul's life, uh, uh, his his life before he met Christ, his name was Saul. Um, And and when when he was this essentially this other person, he persecuted the church very heavily. Uh, in fact, he was on his way to kill a bunch of Christians or to arrest a bunch of Christians to have them killed. Uh, on the, and he was on the road to Damascus. And we read that when he was walking along, he had this life-altering encounter with Jesus Christ to the point to where others heard uh, the, heard the voice, but did, but did not see anything. Uh, Paul, or Saul at the time, was blinded, and um, basically Jesus stepped into Saul, Paul's life, and had this uh, incredible divine intervention. And so after that, Paul records, or Luke records these words of Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul says this, the most important thing in my life now, the most important thing in my life is that I complete my mission. That I complete my mission What is that? The work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do, which is to tell people the good news about God's grace. So however we want to word it, we can say work, we can say assignment, we can say mission, we can say commission, whatever it is, that's what we're going to talk about today is to share the good news. Now, God has given us this, this task, this work, whatever it is. He doesn't force it on any of us. But he gives us this mission to be his witnesses, to go, to make disciples, to share the story, to get the word out, to get the good news out, however you want to do that. So here's, here's the other thing, though. Some of us may be sitting here this morning. Let's just kind of take a little turn here. Some of us may be sitting here, may be sitting in here this morning, 
And one question we've wrestled with our whole lives, maybe you're sitting here this morning, this really relates to you. One question you've wrestled with your whole life is this. What is God's will for my life? I've talked to countless people that's, you know, what is God's will? I, I just can't understand, grab a hold of God's will for my life. What is it? Well, the staff and the elders, um, we're going through a study called Experiencing God. And some of you may have heard that study. It's by Henry Blackaby. It's a, it's a really great study. It's been out for years now. But it's, a very, it's just a very awesome study talking about knowing and, and dis, discerning and knowing God's will. And one of the things that he says is this. He says that God's at work. And it's just our job to see where God's at work and to join him. Contrasting the, the concept of let's drum up some things, you know, let's drum up my will, let's drum up what I think I should be doing, and then ask God to bless that. He's saying God's at work. Guys, when we read the word of God, we know that's what God's doing right now, don't we? And if I can say this, God's in the business of reconciling a lost and dying world back to himself. Ever since the garden, ever since that time where he put, he created everything, everything was perfect. Remember the whole, you know, the whole story of, of creation? Everything is perfect. He put man in there, he put woman in there. Um, we won't go any further than that, will we? When you st- stick those two together, that's where things started to happen, right? Anyhow, um, he, puts, he puts them in, everything's good. And they have a choice, and they make the wrong choice, and they sin, right? They do, they, they do something that, that, that just kind of destroys everything from that point on. God is in the business right now, in, the, in this fallen world, reconciling a lost and dying world back to himself. He does that by using us by redeeming us, by allowing us, choosing us as we come and we make, and, and he, he initiates that, that relationship with us. And, and for some of us, we said, you know what? Let's do this, God. I'm, I'm accepting your free gift of grace and salvation and love and forgiveness. And as we do that, God is saying, go. Go tell the world. Go tell the people you work with. Go tell the people that you, that you, um, that you um, uh, rub shoulder, shoulders with. By the way, when we, read that, when we read that verse that says, go and make disciples, what, it, what that word go literally means as you are going. As you are going, what are we doing? As you're going to work, as you're going to get your haircut, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're pumping your gas. We all have these surface level relationships that the, 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 all of us have those right the people i mean we all go back to the same person cuts our hair typically we, we typically go to the same gas we get to know people grocery stores things like that we get to know clerks and things like that jesus is saying as you're going share the good news as you're going share the good news he's reconciling a lost and dying world back to himself redeeming it making things right again so the, the question is, not so much what is God's will for my life, the question is, what platform is that going to happen in my life? How is that going to flush itself out in my life? How am I going to uniquely make disciples the way I've been created? And, and as I'm going, how do I fall in that, you know, on that mission, that, that task, that assignment? How does that happen? And hopefully we begin to have the same passion about it that Paul says, that says this, the most important thing for my life the most important thing for my life is completing the mission that God has given me to do. That task, that assignment. So what's the dilemma then? Well, the dilemma kind of comes here. Whenever God does that, whenever God comes into our lives, we begin to talk about that. We have this fear of becoming something we're not, right? Whenever we use the word evangelize, that's another word for going out and sharing the good news. When we use the word outreach, when we use the words go build relationships to, you know, to, to share the good news with them, some, some of us, we start cringing up and this fear begins, this emotion of fear begins to kind of enter in itself in because this is what we believe. We believe sometimes, well, I, God's going to ask me to be the salesman then. 
God's going to ask me to go door to door to share his good news, and I don't want to do that. And, and there's this pressure. You, you think, well, I don't want to pressure anybody into heaven. You, you, you say, I don't want to argue in, anybody into heaven. I don't want to conjole anybody into heaven. I don't want to give the sales pitch trying to get people into heaven. Guess what, guys? God's never asked you to be a salesman. And by the way, we've talked about this before, all this. God's never asked any one of us to be a salesman for him. He's also never asked us to be an attorney for him. You don't have to argue with people. You don't have to debate with people. He, did, he never asked you that. You don't have to, you know, it's not your job to, to argue people into heaven. That's not what he's asking you to do. He's never asked anybody to be an attorney or a salesman. He's simply asked you to be a witness. He's never asked anybody to be a theologian, okay? Now, again, some of these I get are professions. I understand that. That might be your platform, yes. But he's not asking all of us to go, and, to, and, and that's your style of sharing the good news. He simply said this, I want you to be my witness. I want you to bear witness about the good news that I have done in your life, to share the story. And nobody is better th- than yourself to share the story of what's taking place within your life, what God has done in your life than you. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to be perfect You just have to say, this is what has happened in my life. This is how Jesus has transformed my life. This is what God has done in in my life. In Romans 1.5, Paul says this, Through Christ, all the kindness of God has been poured out upon us, and now he's sending us all around the world to tell all people everywhere the great things that God has done for them so that they too will believe and obey. So, we've identified the fear. So here's the issue then. Why is this so important then? Why is this life mission so important? Well, number one, it's, we've been given this life-saving message. It's the greatest news in the world. Think about it. It's the most absolute greatest news in the world. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm proud of the gospel news because it is the power God uses to save everybody who believes. He says, I'm proud of that. In fact, in the next verse, he says this. This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven. He makes us right in God's sight. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, Paul says, this is the best news that anybody can ever hear. We've been given the life, the life-saving message of sharing what God is up to. And that is God wants to have this incredible love relationship with every single person. God's desire for, doesn't have a desire for people to go to hell for eternity. God wants to have this incredible relationship with them. And not only just to save them from heaven or hell, but to literally bring transformation within their lives. To heal their brokenness, to bring meaning, to bring significance and sustenance uh, to their life. And we have been given, why is it so important? Because we've been given this awesome message to share with people. To say, you don't have to be this way anymore. You don't have to, uh, it's not probably how you would want to lead into it, but you don't have to, you know, the hurts, the struggles, the stuff that's happening within your life, there is good news. God wants, God wants, there's, there's, there, God wants this incredible relationship with you. And here's the other kicker. This good news keeps getting better and better the more you watch the news here, Right? Have you guys had a good dose of reality lately watching the news? Hey, let's get depressed and discouraged. Let's flip on the news channel. I mean, what, is, what good is happening here in our world? We read about chaos. We read about anarchy. I mean, it's like we read about or we see how things are just going completely to the opposite. The good news is that God one day is going to make everything right again. And he is in the process of doing that. And so we've been given this life-saving message. The second thing is this. People are desperate to hear it. People are desperate to hear it. You see, guys, this is where the enemy has us deceived. This is where many of us have, have, have allowed the enemy to come in and say, 
whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just going to get rejected. They don't want to hear anything about that. Guys, Matthew 9.36. Here's the key. Matthew 9.36. Jesus with his disciples. They're in a boat. They roll up on this crowd. And when they roll up on this crowd, Jesus looks at them. And it says this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion. Because they were hurting and they were helpless. There are many people to harvest, but there are only... He said, there are many people to harvest, but there are only a few workers to help harvest them. Jesus looks out across the crowd, and what he sees is people that are hurting, they're broken, and they're helpless. And they're sensitive. He said, the the people are stressed out, and they don't know what to do about it. Guys, that is the same thing that we live in today. This happened over 2,000 years ago. It's so true for for, for here today. People's problems haven't changed. We live in a world where people are experiencing all kinds of uh, incredible um, negative things within their lives. Uh, Marriage is being fractured. Relationships being destroyed. You name it. I mean, you name it. Things are being, things are just horrendous. That's the same thing that, the the same message goes goes clearly out to to them as as it does us today. They're hurting. They're looking for answers. We live in that same type of world. Some of you are sitting in here this morning. You're hurting. There are things that are happening in your life that's uncalled for. There are things that's happening uh, within your life where you're hurt and you're broken. And you would like to, 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 to sense that healingness uh, within your life. And that's why we need to see people. Each of us, as we've accepted that free gift of grace and salvation and mercy and love, as we've experienced that, Jesus is simply saying, go and share that with other people. How you've been transformed, how you've been healed and you're broken, this go and share that with other people. But it starts with compassion. That's where it starts. You see, we bought into a lie, that myth, again, that, that we say, well, people aren't sensitive to that. You know what? Here's some statistics that we've used uh, a few years ago, and they're the same, if not uh, uh, more clear. But the stats done by um, uh, George Gallup, who is a, a very well-known statistician among the Christian world, he says this, only 4% of Americans are totally non-religious. Only 4% say, I have absolutely no interest in spiritual matters. Of 100 people... 96 are interested in talking about spiritual matters, including non-believers. 96% of Americans believe in God. You don't have to convince them about God. They just don't have a relationship with Him. 77% of all Americans believe the Bible is the Word of God. When you say the Bible says three-quarters... Three-quarters... When you say that the Bible says three-quarters of the people you talk to would say, I believe that's God's Word. 71% already believe in life after death. 8 out of 10 people. Guys, we live in a a spiritually sensitive world. You work with people that are spiritually sensitive. You may be living under the myth, under the guise of of the enemy, blinded by by the enemy that says, yeah, they don't want to hear about that. Guys, people are searching for healing. People are broken. The problem is they're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking for things that's going to change their lives that can't change their lives. They're looking to books. They're looking to seminars. They're looking to therapists. They're looking to everybody else except for the one person that can change their life and radically transform their heart and heal their brokenness, and that is the life-saving love of Jesus Christ. By the way, that would make a good mission statement, would it not? Wouldn't it? Hopefully you're cluing in on that. We exist to what? Help people, help people what? Discover. Okay, we've got to teach on this, don't we? Our mission statement says this. 
We're here to help people to discover and to develop in the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we live in a broken world. We live in an absolute broken world. And again, people are looking, they're looking for healing, but they're looking in the wrong places. And guys, the only place that can make that, the only thing that can happen is by ushering, sharing the love and, and, and the love of Jesus Christ with them. By the way, guys, do you believe that there could be individuals in your life that God has ordained and intentionally placed in your sphere so that you will reach out and share the love of Jesus Christ with them? There could be people in your circle of influence that God said that God placed them there so that you would have a conversation with them to say and, and, and see them out of compassion and say, let me share something with you. Let me share something with you. But here's the question. Maybe it starts with us making a prayer from, nine, from Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 that says, I need to have compassion first. I need to be able to see the people within my life and the people around me with the eyes of Jesus Christ and have a compassion level that moves me when I see people and I see them in their brokenness and their hurtfulness. So here's the question. How can we begin this life mission? Number one, maintain a positive attitude. Guys, we live in a negative world. Is that news to anybody? We live in an incredibly negative world. And people who have positive spirits to them, because I believe that's what the life transforming, um, I believe that's what the Spirit of Christ literally breathes into us, is this, births this hope. And if you're a Christian in here this morning and you continue to live under a negative spirit, something is off. I mean, something is off. We, we, we should be the most positive people. Some of us walk around like Eeyore from Disney. It's like, holy cow, we have the life-saving love of Jesus Christ living inside of us, the power that he demonstrated on the cross, the power that raised him from the dead. That's the power, as Paul says, lives in each side of us as believers. You're telling me we shouldn't be positive? I don't know about you, but when I read this, I know how it's all going to end. Watching the news doesn't tell me how it's going to end. They continue to pump me full of things that says, you know what, politics. You know, put your faith and trust in politics. Hey, guys, I'm not so sure. Pol- I don't believe, let me say it that way, politics has, is not going to thwart God's plan. I read this, and you know what's going to happen one day? God's going to create a new world, a new earth, and he's going to set his throne up. Politics isn't going to stop that. It's not going to stop that. I can be all negative and I can get all passionate about politics and all this other stuff. But let me tell you something. One day, as Paul writes, every single knee is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me tell you something. God's kingdom is coming. Whether, we, whether you believe it or not, it's coming. We know the end. And if we know that, how in the world can we not be the most positive people on the face of this planet? We have his love, his grace, his mercy, his power living inside of us. That is the message people want to hear. People don't want to hear all the negativity of things. Guys, if you're negative, you need to take a look. You need to take a critical look of what's making you negative because that's not the Spirit of Christ. Philippians 2, 14, 15 says this, Do all that has been done without complaining or arguing, and you will shine in the world like bright stars as you offer the word of life. You get that? That is amazing. He says, do all this without complaining or arguing because it is so vastly different than the world that we live in that you're literally going to shine like bright stars as you offer it, offer it the word of life. So if you want to maintain a positive attitude while everybody around you is being put down, being cynical, being sarcastic, being negative, complaining about the work conditions, complaining about their pay, complaining about politics, you name it. People are complaining all over the place. Some of us are Christians and we're complaining. Something's off. 
We should be the most positive people. Let me tell you something. When the Spirit of God grabs a hold of you and fills you with that new hope that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you are going to be the most positive person. And furthermore, it's going to become extremely contagious. Because I don't know about you, but I am not drawn towards negativity. I repel it. I do not like it. And it's amazing what happens. Paul says, you will be bright stars uh, as you offer the word of life. I, want to sh- I hesitate sharing this illustration because it's, it's, it's personal, but I want, I want to share it with you. My grandfather, many of you know, passed away a few weeks ago. And, and one of the things I remember about him is I never, I never heard him complain. He was, just, he, he, was, he was a solid Christian. He just didn't complain. And so as you hear other people that had an acquaintance with him, that was one of the things that they shared too was, I never heard this man complain. Guys, remove my grandfather out of the picture now. Is that not the legacy we would all like to be, leave behind? Where people could come and say, I never heard them complain. They just didn't do it. They were filled with this hope. You talk about being a bright star. That's one of the ways that we can be bright stars. And we can't seclude ourselves either, okay? We've got to work. God's placed these people. I believe that God places certain individuals in your life so that you can share this, 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 his life transforming love with them. The second thing is this, or the last thing is talking to others about the good news. Telling others about the good news. You're the only Bible that some people are ever going to see. And and, and this is what, you know, your life literally shares that with them. Tell them what God has done in your life. Now, I'm not putting this down, but because it's critically important, I mean, you can share with them that, that conversion that you may have had 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But guys, let me ask you this question. What has happened to you last week? What has happened to you this month? What has happened to you where you've opened yourself up to God and God's Holy Spirit says, I want to make a change in your life because I want to transform you more into my son, Jesus Christ, into the likeness of my son, Jesus Christ. What has happened recently where out of your brokenness, you've, allowed God, you've opened yourself up and God has come in and rat, radically transformed you? Because that is the stuff that people want to hear. People want to hear how you've been broken. People want to know how you have went through something and, and it's something so negative, something that is so horrendous in your life that has such in, in, incredible negativity, uh, this, this, this incredible impact on your life, but yet you maintain this sense of hope because you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he's literally transforming who you are. Let me share something cool with you. This isn't a matter of intuition. This isn't a matter of discernment. This isn't a matter of a hunch. This is fact-based, what I'm going to share with you. There are people within our church that are allowing Jesus' love to literally transform them. Literally. We're going to be hearing more about this later. There are people in Element Church, some of them sitting in here this morning, there are people in Element Church that have opened their hearts and said, you know what, no more. I'm allowing God's Holy Spirit to come into my life and transform me and literally break the addictions that I'm experiencing. That's powerful. That's the stuff that people want to hear. Some of you are sitting in here this morning where you've experienced incredible negative marriage issues and instead of dividing and walking away from one another, you came together and you said, Jesus Christ will heal this marriage. And guys, He's healing marriages. He's healing relationships. Some of you have been sexually abused years ago and you've walked through your whole life with this sense of... of, um, 
secrecy. To say, I hope no one ever finds out. But instead you said, I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm done buying into the myths of Satan. I'm done buying into his lie. I'm allowing my heart to be open and allowing the transforming power of Jesus Christ to come in and heal me of my brokenness. Some of you are sitting in here this morning and you've allowed that to happen and you've been freed. Self-worth, struggle for acceptance, you name it. Fill in the blank. My struggle is this. Guys, that's what the world wants to hear. They don't want to hear positive talk. They want to hear the powerful life change that's happening in your life right now. And guys, nothing nothing will do that except the power of the Holy Spirit and you surrendering your life to the power of His Spirit. Some of your attitudes have been radically changed because you've allowed God to grab a hold of you and transform you back into the person that He's created you to be. We're going to start a series here in a couple weeks called The Me I Want to Be. And as I shared with you guys, it could be the most life-transforming thing you've experienced because some of you will say, you know what? This facade I got going on that everybody else sees, this facade that's protecting this crippled up person laying in a fetal position behind it, hurt and broken, This facade, I'm done with it. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to let it go. Some of you are going to experience that. Some of you may experience that today because you're resonating with this message. And you're saying, I'm done with this. I am done with buying into the lies of Satan. I want to be free. I want to be the person that God has created me to be. And I want to experience that life-changing, transforming love of Jesus Christ. But this series I'm going to be going through, the me I want to be is going to talk just to talk exactly about that. We try to live out of personifications that we are not. I shared that with you to you about me a few months ago with my life. I was hurt. And so I created this gale that did nobody any good. Not myself, not you, not anybody. The only thing it did in my mind, which I thought would protect me. And that's where I came out and said, I'm sorry for doing that to you guys. And I'm sorry for doing that to God. Guys, that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear you espouse theological terms and all that stuff. They want to hear how God is changing your life. Because that's what they see. And if God's not changing your life, you you need to stop and you need to have some time with him because something is off. This isn't a one-time affair. Paul tells us that this continues through our lifetime until we see Jesus Christ face to face and he gives us this new body. God wants to transform you. And as he does, you are going to be his witness. You are going to share that great news with other individuals within your life. It's incredible. It's awesome. It's exhilarating. I pray that you will get on board, man. I pray that today would be the day, if you've been struggling with this stuff, today would be the day you say, I'm done with this. I'm done. I want to be the person that God has created me to be. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of pretending like no one knows what's going on. Guys, everybody knows what's going on. We all experience it from time to time. Maybe this is the day. And we're going to close with a song that we already sang that I think is so powerful. We've been changed. 
Some of you in here this morning have been changed. You don't just have fire insurance. That's not what it's about. You've been changed so that you can go out into the world to say, look at this. Look at this. So I pray that you guys would just uh, really resonate with this song as we close with it. Make it the prayer of your hearts. If you want to come pray, please do. Let's, Let's just make this incredible worship time between us and God, giving Him His glory. Would you do that as we sing?